Hello and welcome to the Women in Tech SEO podcast. I am Sarah McDowell, an SEO content executive, and I will be your host for today. Joining me, I have Christy Plantinger, founder of Therapy SEO, and we have them talking about imposter syndrome. Hello, Christy. Hi, thank you so much for having me. This is so exciting. Thank you so much for agreeing to come on and spending your Monday, well, it's morning for you, isn't it? Yes. Your Monday yeah. morning with me. <laughs> this season is sponsored by Screaming Frog. Screaming Frog developed crawling and log file analysis software for the SEO industry and wanted to support the Women in Tech SEO podcast as listeners to the show. They have recently added automated crawl overview reports for Data Studio in version 16 of their SEO Spider software. You can use their Data Studio dashboard, but if you have created your own Data Studio dashboard for their crawl reports that you'd like to share with the community, then get in touch with them via support at screamingfrog.co.uk or screamingfrog on Twitter to be featured. So let's dive straight in. Um, and my first question to you, Christy, is can you tell us how you got into SEO in this world? And then how, because uh, obviously you're the founder of Therapy SEO, congratulations. How did you end up having your own business? Yeah, definitely. So I think everyone in SEO, they got started in their own unique way. So I started more from a writing background. I was pursuing a master's in written communication, which was largely a technical SEO writing program, sorry, technical writing program. Um, and that wasn't for me. I just, you know, I, I just have more of a creative side. So I knew that wasn't going to be a good fit for me. Um, so I started learning more about user experience and marketing. And I was looking at the job market, you know, with like a communications degree, which, <laughs> you know, could be like tougher to, you know, find an entry into the job market. But I stumbled upon SEO and I started teaching myself a lot of things, as I think many of us do. Um, and I always thought it would be so cool if I could work in this. But, you know, my only qualification was really this you know, I knew how to build websites and I had this degree, but I was lucky enough, um, lucky enough to get hired by an SEO agency. They took a chance on me and I've just been in SEO ever since. And with my um, own business, I always wanted to have my own thing. Um, I loved the idea of building a brand and working for myself and having this flexibility and kind of control over my own career path. So I started my own SEO business. I went full-time about a year ago, and I started working on everything about a year and a half, almost two years ago. So that's, I've, it's, yeah, it's like a kind of a simple journey, but I do think I started earlier with my own business than probably most other consultants do. Um, but I'm sure we'll be talking about that more today. <laughs> when you um, put forward yourself to come on the podcast, you said about how um, your your business is niche, isn't it? How did that come about? And what do you offer as a niche business? Definitely. So I worked at a niche industry before or a niche agency before. Um, and I enjoyed niching because first of all, I'm a pretty practical person. And I knew that it would be easier to start a business with a niche. 
I find that, you know, connections and speaking opportunities and networking, all that stuff comes easier when you're situated in more of a, like a niche community. Um, but also I knew that I only wanted to work with certain kinds of clients. Um, I think for people who work in agencies or have experienced in the agency world or world, working with clients can just be really, really tough sometimes. Um, especially I think if you have people pleasing tendencies, so I knew that I wanted to work with clients that I felt were more in alignment with me and that I knew I'd get along with more personally. So I chose therapists. I actually was studying to become a therapist at one point in my life, but I was like, I'm not ready to do that. <laughs> so I pursued obviously writing and all that other stuff. But I always have I've had a passion, you know, for the mental health world. And I just think therapists are some of, you know, the superheroes of our society. So it just seemed like an obvious fit when I was thinking about starting my own thing. I was like, of course, therapists, you know, it's like I'm so interested in the world. And the more you know about what they do, the more they trust you, too. So it just seemed like I didn't even like I didn't even have a second thought after that came to me. Um, but after a full service SEO and then I do a lot of consulting individually and in groups as well, making a few courses, just really seeing like what I think my clients would benefit from you know i'm just always seeing what 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 would they what would help them the most and then i just match them where they are whatever service that takes and um for people who are listening to the podcast and um they've been thinking about going niche what what sort of advice have you got i think for you know obviously i think if you are more nervous about starting something i think niching is just a good way to go I think it's a it's a little bit more of a, a straightforward path to success. But I think one thing I wish that I did even sooner when I started my niche business is identify who are who are like the influencers in the space, who are the people that I should be talking to. Because obviously, you know, shared audiences is a huge marketing strategy for me. So connecting with people on Instagram, following people on Twitter. DMing them, making that introduction. I think just connecting with the people that you know your niche clients respect, that is definitely a fast path to success. That is blimmin' wonderful advice. <laughs> Thank you for sharing. Yeah, definitely. Can I now do some quick fire questions? Yes, of course. Okay, first up, texting or talking? I think I'm introverted, so I think texting is easier, <laughs> you know, depending on the topic. But if I if I really want to connect with someone, talking is better, but I need to, you know, set some set some mental space aside for it. Do you have any nicknames? No, my name is just Christy, like not even Christina or anything. Apparently that's an 80s thing to be named a nickname, <laughs> which I didn't know until way later. So I like my name is kind of a nickname. So no, I've never really had any. What's the best age? Best age. I think that you really become your full self at around 24. <laughs> like, I don't know what I was doing before the age of 24. Um, I think so. I'm 28 now. But I think I remember 26 was a really good age because I kind of I was fully, you know, in the adult world and I finally had an income. Like I think at 26 you really 
kind of you hit your stride in a lot of ways with who you are, but also your brain is fully developed at that point too, which really helps. So I would say from my limited experience in life, I loved 26. Favorite hot drink? <sighs> Just coffee. You know, addicted as many of us are. It's a standard classic. I'm a coffee <laughs> addict too. And my last question for you is favorite word. Favorite word. Any. Could be any. Any word. I know it's maybe this is silly, but I think as like a word and a topic, I think creativity, because I think so many of us don't believe that we're creative, but it really is, you know, the key to us creating our own our own lives, our own careers, and, you know, why not you coming up with the next best thing, you know? So I think creativity is just something that really, really inspires me, and it's just something inside all of us. Love that answer. Mm-hmm. I'm going to, like, get that printed on a T-shirt. All right. <laughs> <laughs> so we are here to talk about imposter syndrome. First things first, how would you describe what imposter syndrome is? Yeah, I actually thought a lot about this because it's it's just so all-encompassing sometimes. But I think that imposter syndrome is feeling like you can't do something even though you have evidence that you can. Is my just really straightforward answer and what it actually is. And then from that comes all of like the emotional and mental complications. And how do you know? What are some sort of like, what sort of warning signs or how do you know if you have like suffered or you're currently experiencing imposter syndrome? Yeah, so I think first and foremost, anxiety. So when you are doing something that you feel like you can't do, even though you can, you know, symptoms of anxiety are going to come up for sure. Um, I think the biggest one was really the negative self-talk, which a lot of us don't even really hear ourselves saying to ourselves. But, you know, a lot of comparisonitis, negative self-talk. Sometimes you just have like a deeper fear of success. Like you actually get that opportunity and then you're like, well, now I'll be seen. So you have this kind of deeper fear of success, which seems really, you know, counterintuitive to people who do take risks, but it happens. Um, general risk avoidance. So you're afraid of, you know, being in this space of discomfort with risk. Um, and then also just passing on opportunities because you're, you know, scared to fail, really. Yeah, I think we've all been there when there's like an opportunity comes and um, we don't feel like we're ready or we come up with excuses, uh-huh. don't we? Or we think, oh, no, I'm, I can't do that because of this. Um, so, yeah, I know I know I've been there so many times. <laughs> yeah, it's it's a huge it's a huge thing. And it's so crazy to me because I think so many of the listeners here and women in the group, you know, we're all so ambitious but imposter syndrome and, you know, this pursuit of perfectionism, it's the death of progress, really. So as soon as you can, you know, just really start working on imposter syndrome and learning, you know, how to, because it's always going to be there, I think. But if you can learn how to deal with it in the instances that you have, that's just going to help your mental health so much and your career development, all that kind of stuff. Would you say that imposter syndrome is common in both um, like business owners and the SEO world? Yes. And I think it just, it takes different shapes. So I think, you know, when I was struggling with imposter syndrome in a uh, agency setting or like a company career track, it's hard because it is, 
you know, it's just, it's hard to get opportunities sometimes. Um, and I think, you know, when you are a woman in the career track, it's, it's really not quite set up for us as well yet, you know, that's unfortunately the reality. So a lot of what I think, what a lot of what imposter syndrome comes down to in my, you know, way of thinking about it is this concept of cognitive dissonance. So we have ideas, beliefs, thoughts about ourselves that we think are true, but then the real world, this kind of more tangible evidence that we see is contrary to that, right? So we imagine success for ourselves, we desire that, but then everyone getting promoted, maybe they're men. You know, men get raises. We obviously know that they're paid more. So I think when you're in a work setting, that's tough because you're not necessarily in an environment that's as well suited for you. Unfortunately, that's reality. I'm really excited to see that change over the coming decades. But I think all women know that to be true. Like we've all had instances of that. Um, but in terms of business development, I think the imposter syndrome is real because failure is just very, very tangible. You know, it's like you are, the stakes are pretty high um, and they are with everything, obviously. But I think with business, especially if you're doing it on your own at first, it can be very, very lonely. And then it's even harder to have, you know, those really positive beliefs about you because there's no manager above you telling you that you're doing a good job, you're doing the right thing, that all has to come from yourself. And that's imposter syndrome. Like we all have to be able to tell ourselves that, yes, we can. But if you're more isolated, that's even harder. I think also, um, like I've I've experienced this in other roles where um, it's not until like you leave that um, mm-hmm. like people like come out and and say supportive things or they say, oh, um, I'm so gutted that you're leaving. You've done this, this and this. And mm-hmm. um, even in like leaving cards that you get where people put like how much they have appreciated you and stuff like that. So I think, yeah, when when we get like when we're in a job role and I think sometimes we, we miss that sort of um, – encouragement don't we and often it's not until after you leave <laughs> sometimes <laughs> that is very very true I yeah definitely can relate <laughs> <laughs> um so there is a joke isn't there in the SEO world that will always answer with well it depends if like anyone ever asks us anything and um yep. I suppose that doesn't help this situation does it <laughs> oh my gosh here's the thing like The times that I've had the worst imposter syndrome, really, really bad. I wake up at the middle of the night, filled with anxiety, heart pounding. And I just think to myself, am I going to get results for this client? And a huge part of that is just SEO takes time. Like the quick wins are just not a thing. So when we get back to the cognitive dissonance thing, we tell ourselves, I'm good at SEO. I'm good at my job. I know what are the right things to do, but then it takes a while for you to see any results. So it's like, just kidding. I'm terrible at this you know, because I don't have any evidence to back up how I feel about myself. Right. And that's like, that has been the biggest killer for me. I have friends who, you know, their marketing coaches are going viral or they do ads. And I'm like, there's such instant gratification with that. So it's like, 
you can say, oh, I'm really good at this. And then you have all this evidence for it. But with SEO, we just don't get that instant gratification. And that I think is just a terrible environment in which imposter syndrome just absolutely thrives. <laughs> it's super unfortunate, but... Yes, I suppose we're feeding, aren't we? We're feeding the... Uh, when we're talking about imposter syndrome, I'm picturing this, like, monster or, like... Mm-hmm. Um, it's like, like a disease. Example. I picture, like, yes. a precious disease, you know? It's like... Um, I'm sorry to bring it up, but, you know, when you talk about COVID, you picture yeah. this, like, <laughs> viral being with, like, scary teeth. Um, yeah. Yep. Um, I'm feeling the same with imposter syndrome. Yeah. <laughs> um. Okay, so earlier you said that um, most of the times it, it's not a case of we can't really get rid of these feelings or um, they're not they're, they're not feelings that really go away and it's more about managing those feelings. Advice? Advice? Tips on this? Yeah, I think so. Imposter syndrome is kind of funny in that I think if you are an ambitious person, you just have to get used to to imposter syndrome. And it's almost kind of the sign that you're on the right path, right? Because if you're not really taking any risks in your career, it's going to be hard to just get farther. You know, like I think complacency and maybe you get to a certain point in your career and you know that that's the place that you want to be. But I think if you are an ambitious person, you are always going to be bumping up against this. And so in that sense, no, it cannot be cured. It is not, you know, a disease that we can cure, but managing it. Um, I think the most helpful thing for me, if anyone is just to take away one thing from this, is addressing your fears and looking them, you know, straight in the eyes and really asking what's the worst thing that could happen. And if you can really own that and understand that. So for me, as a business owner, the worst possible thing could be, I didn't get anything done for this client. They're super mad. Worst thing that could happen, I guess, I boiled it down to, I give them a refund. And for me, I'm just like, that's just money. You know, like my reputation isn't going to go under. My business isn't going to go under. I'm not going to be, you know, just an embarrassment or anything. It's just money. So if we all can kind of stare our imposter syndrome down and really reduce it to the deep fear that we have and just come up with the solution for it. It's like, that's not that bad. You know, if, if this all goes, you know, to shit, then I have a plan for it. Right. Um, and I think in the same way where if we are going to be always bumping up against this, if we're ambitious, just feeling more comfortable and feeling comfortable with the discomfort of something might not go perfectly that's actually a therapeutic technique often used for people with perfectionism. Just getting comfortable with this discomfort, getting comfortable with failure too, and just knowing that you likely have more to gain than lose, I think are the, the mantras that I've told myself to get through these times of really, really intense stress. And I suppose also um, with failure, it's how we perceive it. So mm-hmm. obviously like failure that word in itself is a quite negative word isn't it like no one everyone wants to avoid that but from failure you can actually learn things can't you the more times you fail the more learnings that you have 
and as you're doing something new, like um, we all know that SEO isn't a one size fits all for all businesses, all sectors. Mm-hmm. So you're going to be trying stuff, aren't you? Things yeah. are going to be working, some things are, but it's just about like measuring that and tracking things that you're doing and being okay with failing, I suppose. Um, and yeah, and once you're being okay with that, and that feeling it's like okay what is the learnings from this so would you agree that we it's like a, a changing of like our thought process about it definitely I mean I know that the greatest lessons I've had in life have not been from success <laughs> <laughs> yeah there's not much to learn when you succeed it's like you did it right there's really no lesson there but when you do fail that's when you really you really learn something what could have gone better whether myself or you know the environment that I was in And you're right, SEO is about experimentation. So if we think about anything we try as an experiment, instead of, you know, this, you try this and it was a contest and you failed, instead having more of a curiosity, what's going to happen? You know, how is this going to happen? How can I learn from this? And actually one of my former bosses told me this and it's always stuck with me you know, we'd have clients calling us in the middle of the night and he'd always say, there's no such thing as an emergency in marketing. And that has really stuck with me over the years of just, if someone's really losing it, take a step back and be like, you know what? If this page is a 404 for the next four hours, I think we're going to be okay. You know, just like stop taking everything so seriously, I think is another thing too. And just really, yeah, reframe what failure is I totally agree and do you think like having a label for this um because there are there could be some arguments that this is just part and parcel of being in SEO or having a business and some people might argue that having a label might make it a bigger thing what are your thoughts like that do you think it's good to have a label for it or can it like hinder us yeah so I think you know just working adjacent to the mental health field I think there is more popularity recently in identifying with different diagnoses because people, there is so much power in having a name for something. Because if you're suffering in silence, like imposter syndrome is one of those things. Again, like I just picture this little disease in a Petri dish. It thrives in shame and silence and loneliness. So I think the fact that we're calling it out and everyone just sharing like the most, you know, successful people we can imagine, they have this too. I think there's so much power in labeling it because then we can share it. And then we don't feel alone. Because I think if we feel alone with these feelings, then again, that evidence kind of builds up and it's, you know, well, successful people don't have imposter syndrome. It's like quite, you know, quite the opposite. So I, I love that it's being talked about more and I do not think that it's making it a bigger deal than it is because I think people in SEO are very logical people. So we're quick to like dismiss the, our just, our experience as humans, whether that's, you know, how our bodies react to something or, you know, how our, our feelings are affected. So just taking your body reaction as evidence for that this is real, that is totally legitimate. You do not need someone outside of yourself to, you know, approve (laughs) your feelings of imposter syndrome. If you feel them, they're there, that's real, and that's okay too. 
And I think also by having a label, um, you can also like normalize these conversations, can't you? Which is a bit like another thing that we need to be doing with with this, isn't it? Like if we're normalizing this and people are talking together and um, it's more it's more like a, a thing that we're talking about, then that's only going to be a positive thing, isn't it? Yeah. And what a great way to be brought together with different people, you know? I think just more acknowledgement of this in general and in the SEO industry, that's that's just a deeper thing that brings people together. You know, I don't know. That's that's me. I'm always looking for I hate small talk. You know, it's like I'm the person who's looking for these real connections with people. And I love, you know, also to read articles on case studies and how interesting that is. But I think, you know, just because we're working in an agency or we have our own job, it can it can be isolating depending on, you know, what your work environment is like. So I think having just knowing that other people have that too, and not even necessarily talking about it, but just the knowledge that you're not alone in this, I think that humility is just going to lead to just greater connection and more humility. You know, there are definitely some egos in every industry, including SEO. So just knowing that, you know, we all started in the same place and we all face these things together. I think that's, I think that's really beautiful to accept. It is very beautiful. Any resources or um, what would you like? Is there anything that you can recommend people read or look into or research um, about what we've spoken about today? Yeah. So I think thinking about, you know, resources, one of the ways that we unhealthily combat imposter syndrome is going to this conference, reading this book getting that promotion. And then we feel like if we, you know, again, stack more and more of this evidence that we're not imposters, we won't believe it anymore. But the reality is the the greatest resource against imposter syndrome is yourself. And actually relying on other things and people is the antithesis of what, you know, you should really be doing to start managing this and knowing that there is no end goal. Again, it's just managing the thought patterns, the feelings. So, but I do, I will say that whenever I have really struggled with it and it's okay to not always have the internal resources, that's a pretty unrealistic expectation. It's okay to ask. I honestly, I honest, I text my friends sometimes or my boyfriend. I'm just like, am I good at what I do? And they're like, are you serious? (laughs) It's like, of course, because sometimes you just need to hear it. Right. So it's okay to ask. Um, And I also really love reading stories of people who said, why not me? They're doing it. Why can't I? And we all have that, you know, like we all have those moments where we can choose if they did it, I can do it. So those kinds of inspiring stories really help me. I mean, I could just... I wish we had longer to talk more about this. <laughs> this is like an hour-long conversation, but <laughs> it really, it really is. I mean, I feel like we've covered quite a lot. I think this episode is going to be very helpful to a lot, a lot of people. So, um, yeah. I mean, is there anything else that you wanted to say? I guess you know. I think my heart is more with you know junior SEOs, just because I was. I'm basically. Honestly, in the span of a career, I'm still junior, you know, but I decided to do something that I likely was not ready for. So I think for any of, you know, the juniors out there, 
there is no one path to success. Don't feel like you have to fit into a certain path because that makes imposter syndrome even harder when you feel like you have to be in one place. So maybe if that's at a job that you don't feel supported in, or maybe it's even a different type of SEO, you know? So it's like, if you don't like one part of tech or SEO, that's okay. Um, So I think, you know, just knowing that there is no one path to success and don't let that get in the way of you getting to where you want to be, I guess. Are you ready to round up with a bit of fun, a little, a little feature? Yeah, we'll we'll, we'll see. I'm not, I'm not sure what the fun entails yet. So I guess, I guess we'll see if well, I. <laughs> I have a tenuous link. So we're talking about imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. So I want you to identify the imposter bird species. Um, so I've got three bird species. Two are real, and one is an imposter. Mm. All right. Yeah. Yeah. Does that make sense? Yeah, yeah, yeah. I'm, I'm so ready. you, yeah. So you just got to tell me which one is not a real bird species. The first one is scuttle. The second one is horned screamer, and the third one is noisy pitter. Which one do you reckon is not a real bird species? It was scuttle, horned screamer, and what was the last one? Noisy pitter. I'm going to say the second one. Horn screamer. Yes. Is that your final answer? That's my final answer. <laughs> Unfortunately, oh. the answer I was going after was Scuttle because Scuttle is the seagull in the Disney's Little Mermaid. So oh, I think I didn't hear it as well because I'm just so used to hearing it in an American accent. Like with, I think with British like scuttle and and in, like in English in America we're just like scuttle, you know. <laughs> we just we roll right through the T's, very informal. But that makes sense. I just knew I was like if someone called something. What was the last one <laughs> again? Um, noisy pitter. <laughs> if a scientist like chose to name a bird. No, like that's that was a choice, you know. I was like, that's not the imposter because that's hilarious. That was definitely a choice. So, well, there you go. I like I like your method, your methodology. Then, <laughs> um, unfortunately, that's all for this week. Uh, a huge thanks to Christy for joining us and sharing your wonderful knowledge. If people want to um, carry on the conversation, how can they do that? Where are you? Yeah, so I think my Twitter would probably be best. I forget my handle but no one else in the world has my name. So I've, and I've checked, you know, different times. So if you search <laughs> the name, I should come up. Um, I think that's where I connect most with people in this world and I'm trying to be more active there. So, you know, I'd love to connect there for sure. Wonderful. Blimmin' love Twitter for the SEO world. I know. It's, it's just, that's where I get my information. I'm like, who needs school? You know, I have Twitter now. So. <laughs> Um, also, uh, thank you for tuning in, our listeners, and listening. Um, new episodes go out every Tuesday, and we are available on all podcast playing platforms. Visit womenintechseo.com to find out more about the community. Um, and you can also find out more about this podcast, things like speaking and sponsoring opportunities. 
And I suppose um, the only thing left to say is we will catch you all next time. Thank you.